is there and the way they play. And what about Peter O'Mahony? I just oh, exceptional. A sensational performance. Yeah. Jack O'Donoghue and Hodnett. The three of them in the back row. The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neil Briggs. Subscribe to the Rugby Channel on the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now. It does, absolutely. Uh, my dad was there uh, milking a few cows when uh, we were young lads. So um, we're well used to, to drinking pints of milk, you know, and... Um, we know all about the the essential uh, nutrients that are in it, and it's uh, I think really um, what would you say combining it with our with our training program that has given us maximum benefits in in, in the in the rowing world. Uh, so you can see that it's got the lactose there for the get the carbohydrates in and the energy, and then there's loads of good protein in it as well, a lot of leucine as well, all the essential amino acids, um, and so we've had that from. Uh, basically a very young age after our uh, mother was feeding us so we were straight onto the, the beautiful cow's milk then uh, that her dad was producing so it absolutely made sense to join the NDC and, and promote uh, not only good dairy but sustainable farming as well that we have in Ireland that's a, a very key point to say as well uh, probably the second uh, most sustainable and, and efficient dairy producing country in the world like you mentioned, lactose there, and uh, like I heard a great story before. I don't know if it's true of uh, Dominic Casey or your your rowing coach uh, for years uh, talking about lactate buildup. Like a lot of people who aren't maybe into to uh, elite sport won't know of this lactate buildup. They'll just think of it as as pain in their arms and legs when they're engaging in in sport or activity. But is it true that Dominic kind of almost withheld what lactate buildup was for you, for you lads for the early years of your your career? He did. He did. He wouldn't. He wouldn't mention it to us at all. Um, in fairness, and he was probably right, I'd, you know. Uh, but lactose is a different thing to, to lactate, and probably if you've uh, a good, um, or as I say, fueling up of, of lactose as fuel, you won't build up as much lactate. Then, although in turn, I've actually found out now uh, lately that lactate in itself uh, can actually be used as fuel, so it's not all the doesn't deserve all the doom and gloom in the media that it does get. Now, I've probably been a bit harsh on it in years gone by as well. Um, it's not it's not the worst thing in the world but you are it is it's certainly associated with all that kind of pain and, and burning that you get um, but uh, I think uh, you know like that we were a bit ignorant to it there because Dominic wouldn't tell us and uh, we, we didn't know about it we just thought that um, we weren't training hard enough or something but he was, Dominic was right Joe. the more we trained in the more we got used to it and uh, the faster you go and, and you can actually tolerate more lactate then it was probably a method to his madness you know <laughs> it all worked out in the end for sure uh, Vicky like obviously nutrition and, and diet and all these things are, are massively important in, in all levels of sport now nowadays but when I think when I think back to some of your, your big days in the Meath jersey and, and look you're only after winning your, your division one first ever division one national league title you're coming off the back of an incredible year with Meath winning the All-Ireland last year uh, and a really, really strong performance individually from yourself even in, in that final last year in Croke Park. So, like for you, how, how do you build up to the big games? How, how, how do you get used to performing uh, as well as you can on the big day? Like, is it a case of geeing yourself up, getting really pumped in, in advance? Is it the case of the opposite, trying to calm yourself down? Or how do you approach these things? 
Yeah, look, I think it's a, a case of maybe trial and error. Um, I don't think, you know, I don't think you get it right every single time, but when you do, you kind of start to notice small things that you've done consistently. And I suppose the nutrition side of things definitely does play into that. And, you know, I think some of the girls on the team are a bit maybe superstitious about some meals that they'd have the night before and, and who cooks them as well. But I think for us, you know, we were talking about the, the aspect of, you know, carb carb loading before a game and stuff like that and switching and knowing yourself, you know, the maybe the day before a game, you know, uh, maybe decrease in your, the amount of protein maybe. And then obviously on the flip side of that, as soon as, as soon as the game is over you know getting that protein straight back into you and kind of quickly and accessibly and I suppose dairy obviously is, is, is a very accessible way for, for us to do that um, and I suppose touched on it as well of you know the, the timing of our trainings and stuff like that after training you know coming home at 11 o'clock sitting at the, the kitchen counter doesn't you know it's not really enticing to eat a full roast meal at that time of the night so I suppose you know a glass of milk or stuff like that is a great way of refueling but then yeah I think you know just even the, the little the little things you do the day before a game and you know just the, the approach I have kind of is just maybe spending time with, with the people that kind of understand what you're going through but just not not not, not doing too, something too hectic um, either yeah but definitely I suppose the, the nutrition side of things is, is something that you kind of it's a nice distraction to have before a big game focusing on what you're actually eating uh, I mentioned some of your, your honours over the past year there uh, previously and I think I'd be here for, for a while if I had to list them all out but uh, when, when I look back to your, to your, to your last 12 months Vicky and, and, and especially your, even your club success with, with St Peter's Dunboyne um, like, how does it compare to lift, to lift that Leinster title with, with your club back in December beating Fox Rock Cabantilli as well no easy task but how, how, do, the, how do those wins you know, with, with girls you've grown up with your entire life compared to say those, those big wins with me yeah, uh, I think it's difficult to compare them. Um, I think, you know, you're always, regardless of any um, game I've ever played, any division, any league or anything like that, you're always chasing that winning feeling, I think. And I think, you know, it doesn't matter whether it was the division league Division three uh, league we won a few years ago where that division one you're still you know trying to perform at the highest standard and like that you know winning winning that Leinster with um with Dunboyne and we would have won the intermediate and junior Leinster with Dunboyne as well so, but like they all gave us that same fulfilment and that same you know joy of winning so I think that's kind of kind of how I may, may be able to compare them but yeah like compare. I think the shift of winning with your club and like you said girls you've grown up with and I, and I live with Shelley one of my teammates who was on the county team as well last year so it was you know just having that constant understanding understanding of what the other person is going through and what they're thinking of knowing you know if you had a terrible train and just kind of maybe keep the mouth shut and say nothing at the dinner table and then obviously if you know if you have a great game it's, it's nice to have that kind of person so close to, to celebrate with as well. Uh, and, and Emer, like I mean, you're someone who who's lined out for a country, which is uh, something that most of us can only can only ever dream of. But I remember reading an interview with you before, where, where you spoke about, uh, regardless of all the achievements you've got, um, you know, in rugby, that one of your one of your favourite sporting achievements was was winning the county final with with your local club in in, in Clare, uh, 2019, I think it was. And and I know you'd lost to the same team in a final ten years previously, so. It just shows how all sport is local, and you really remember those those special moments with your with your local teams. Yeah, um, it honestly it is, and, and looking back, it was one of the most memorable times, and probably because, as you said, it was ten years, if not longer, in the making with the girls that you grew up with um, in a parish, a tiny little parish where I'm from. I suppose it's 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 the people that have gone before us and who've never made it, and who are part of that winning team. You were doing for the girls that were on the team, but also the ones that had long gone and had put in the work and never got that county title. 
Um, it really was one of the most special moments. And I suppose getting to play with, with Ailish and getting to do it, like she'd been away in Australia and I had obviously been playing rugby for a few years. So getting back and, and been able to come back together and, and play and win together um, was just was just lovely. Um, and it's just going back to like where I started. I wouldn't be where I am right now without playing game football. And I'm, I'm never going to forget that it taught me everything that I have right now. Yes, rugby is a completely different sport, but it gave me the opportunities that I have right now. Um, Paul, if I just go back to yourself, and, and uh, like it's it's been quite a mad year for you as well. And like I've spoken to different Olympians and off the ball over the last 12 months or so, some of whom have, you know, for some people, I guess competing in the Olympics alone is, is a massive achievement. For anyone, that's a massive achievement. You see people getting the, the five Olympic rings tattooed, you know, when you get that, that, uh, that uh, achievement of competing at the Olympic Games. But for you, how, how have the last whatever number of months since Tokyo been, like to be described as an Olympic champion for the rest of your life must be quite special? It's not something I think about often, you know. I think there's probably other people think about it maybe more than I do. But, Joe, I'm still young, although I'm aging quickly. Uh, I've got other kind of things that I want to look forward to in, in life and uh, just... Joe working uh, away towards them so sitting some college exams but also other racing and, and this type of thing later in the summer and then the next Olympics then in, in Paris in not that many years time uh, so really just day to day you're kind of thinking about those things um, and uh, spend a little, little time kind of looking looking back in the past and maybe maybe when I'm older and and, and, and lost all my hair and retired from rowing and, and all this then I might maybe at that stage I might appreciate it a bit more but I mean there's no point kind of getting getting complacent at, at this stage when there's still still other things out there that you want to want to do and experience so well, I think I'm right in saying that yourself and Finton were were awarded the um the West Cork Sports Star of the Year for 2021 quite recently I know it was your your second time winning that that has to be for a Cork person up there with an Olympic, Olympic gold medal it is. I think it's definitely, definitely higher up there. You know, um, uh, it was something, and and in in the weeks up to the winning that award, we've been training really hard just so that uh, it wouldn't be up to chance. And, and thankfully, we were we were awarded at the, the Celtic Ross West Cork Sports Star of the Year awards, um, and we we're very lucky because there is some uh, phenomenal competition down there. There was, uh, I suppose, countless Olympians and and county champions and road bowlers and people breaking Sonny O'Sullivan's records and, and all this type of thing. And uh, so it was great to be down there. Um, lovely evening and, and just see uh, all the talent that, that's an offer there in, in West Cork, some fabulous rugby players as well, of course. And um, I think the future is, is bright for uh, sporting talent. And I think the only correlation that I can see is why West Cork is, is so good at sport is that our dairy farming is so good down there that the milk is absolutely second to none and all the dairy produce we have um, and I think that's that's the key to success it's the Lachine lactose down there it just seems to work <laughs> wonders indeed <laughs> uh, like when I, when I look Paul I was, I was watching a interview with Ronnie O'Sullivan at the, the World Snooker Championship the last couple of days and he was talking about you know, taking inspiration from other sports people, like obviously he, he, like yourself, most of the time and some of the time is in an individual sport where, you know, he's taking inspiration, I guess, from people like Roger Federer or Tiger Woods, um, for Ayrton Senna as well. Like, do you, do you look at other sports and, and take inspiration from other sports people or are you just a case of just focusing on rowing and uh, don't really take it, take heed in sport outside of that, I guess? 
Me, well, not only do I take interest in them, I take part in other sports. I've been doing a bit of cross-country running with Lee Vale during the winter. Um, and I've been highly unsuccessful and, and been laughed at while doing it. But I've enjoyed it all the same. And like you're saying, it's good to see what kind of approaches they're taking to training and racing, what, what uh, training programs they're doing. Uh, some of it is kind of very similar to what, what we're doing in, in rowing because they're both very much aerobic sports. Um, but you just think about the movements that you're doing in a different way, the different muscles you're using, and, and hopefully then you can kind of bring that in and, and kind of rethink about what you're doing in the rowing, make, make sure that it's, it's the right way you're moving and, and see if there's any any better ways to do it. So it is good to try out different things, talk, talk to different people, um, keep yourself kind of fresh and focused and uh, always on your toes. There's, there's certainly no harm in that. Like Vicky, just on, on that, I guess, and taking inspiration from, from other people. Like I remember even seeing you, I think, retweeting the, the image from the Dublin Mead League game earlier this year and 5,000 people there. You see ads on television constantly now and, and, and female sports people like Rachel Blackmore, Katie Taylor, Kelly Harrington, household names in this country now. Um, we, we've come a long way in that regard. It, it almost seems like the, that, that gender gap has been or is being uh, closed rapidly in this country. Yeah, um, I suppose, yeah, just maybe focusing on, you know, taking inspiration from other people. I think absolutely on the, you know, the women's sport in Ireland at the moment it is very inspirational. You know, even the Irish soccer team last week, you know, that huge draw against Sweden, like that's phenomenal. And I think I did see a tweet, you know, maybe saying that if that had been the comparison of, you know, if that had been the Irish men's team and, you know, the second ranked team in, you know, in, in the world, like as in maybe there probably would have been a bigger hype. But I think, look, like you said, it is getting closer and there is improvements being seen across the board and it's that now narrative of you know you don't want to always be saying the negative thing because it is progressing and it is huge and like you said you know that crowd we had in Park Charlton was the equivalent of what the, the men get in Park Charlton and that, that that for us alone for a league game like was just unheard of and unimaginable a few years ago when it was just you know maybe 50 odd people at, at maybe even in a league semi-final so I think there is huge progression um, I still do think there's there's a lot of things and maybe even looking in a narrow lens in the um, LGFA and GAA I think there is still a gap to close um, you know even just facility wise and everything like that but I think I think there definitely is um, a change happening it was uh, the, the photo I referenced to Dublin Meath. It was a lovely sunny sunny evening. I'm sure there's plenty of sun down in Australia as well, Vicky. And I'm sure it's a, it's a question you're constantly getting these days. But I suppose Eamon Murray, your Meath manager's comments, um, dreadful to watch, no skill about the AFLW. Uh, caught a lot of people off guard, I guess. But uh, you, you did tweet a lovely photo of the two of you after the, the, the league final, I think, where you said you're still friends. Um, but what's your what's your take on all, on all that now? Like, is 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 Oz most certainly on the horizon for you? Is it a case of just getting over this this season with me? Or what way are you approaching it now? Yeah, look, I'm here um, for this season until, until like, with me, um, absolutely, I'm committed to me. Um, look, Australia is something I've spoken about that I do have interest in. I have nothing, nothing signed at the moment anyway, even um, by what Eamon is saying. But no, look, yeah, look, I think it's it's um, it's great to see, you know, Irish girls being successful over there. I think it's great even seeing TG Carr show and all of it. And, you know, again, talking about accessibility to, to women's sport, you know, you flick it on, you can see it so easily. I think... Um, the draw of you know maybe playing a semi-professional professional sport is is something that I, that I am interested in, but I'm definitely committed to to me through this season. 
and like like you mentioned some of the girls over there doing incredible things Orlo Dwyer being one of them um, like for you Emer, I know you, your your own sister Eilish is, is probably the most decorated Irish um, woman over there in the AFLW will you be kind of off off air here giving uh, Vicky some tips and maybe lining her up with Eilish to, to put her into contact and get all those um, those contacts to bed before she goes to Oz Oh, I think all you have to do is look at any of the girls over there, look at their Instagram and see that the life they live in over there. I don't think it's any um, chat for me, but they're just, the opportunities that they've been given as female athletes is something that isn't necessarily available in Ireland, but I think they're dead right. Any girl that has an opportunity to be a professional athlete should just jump at it, whatever, whatever sports it may be, um, whether it's in Ireland, whether it's in England, whether it's in Australia. I think, you know, we don't have those opportunities just yet. We're heading in that direction as female athletes, but I think, you know, life short, just go and be a professional athlete for, for a period of time would be my advice to anybody. Like Emer, I've heard you speaking before different times about the, the, the importance of the curriculum. I know yourself as a, as a P and Irish teacher, uh, it's, it's an issue close to your heart, but um, like I, I saw an, a, an issue recently and it kind of links into that and, and the idea of, of, of young people kind of engaging in different sports and playing different things when they're younger. Um, and I, like it's a bit of a random one, but, I, but there was a story. I don't know if you saw it a couple of weeks ago, where the um, the Offaly under fourteen footballers. I think there was four players who were were kicked off the Offaly under fourteen development squad panel uh, because they attended a soccer training which clashed with 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 a Gaelic football event. Like, it, is that something that, that it's a bit disappointing to see in the twenty first century that you know young kids under fourteen year old kids are are essentially being being asked to pick at that early stage what sport they want to to play for the rest of their lives. Yeah, I think that's scandalous to be honest. Like it, it's proven there's studies out there about early specialization and that it's proven to sample better sports, sample loads of different sports. And then when they get to a certain age with 17, 18, then choosing that sport to focus on. Um, Roger Federer is a sample, is an example of that. Um, if you ever read a book called Range, it talks about that and it talks about you know, the skills that he benefited in from playing other sports before he sampled and and, and went into tennis. Um, I think the rugby girls at the moment, like there's so many girls that came from other sports, myself included, that like I played Gaelic, I played Camogie, I played soccer, volleyball, I did athletics at a young age and they all contributed to my athleticism. And I think there's so many girls and boys across the world that, um, you know, if you sample, if you, if you early specialise, you are focusing on something that mightn't necessarily work out from a very young age. And I think you, you lose the joy of sport and it becomes very serious. Whereas I didn't know what sports I was going to pick. I never imagined I'd ever play rugby, but being able to play all those different sports at a young age. And like if any coach told me not to play another sport, I don't know what I'd be where I am right now. And I think it's really important that they do sample and play, play staying sport for fun because you'll be long enough playing at a professional level where you'll, you know, focus on one sport and you will have to focus on one sport eventually because if you want to be successful at it, you have to train and focus on it and it has its own um, special skills that you need to focus on and there's long enough to be doing that. So um, that's my opinion on that and, and I'd be, there's lots of studies to back that up. Uh, like you spoke there about how you, you never thought that you'd end up playing rugby and I think I spoke to you about this before, the, like after that, 2013 uh, Grand Slam win for Ireland and the inspiration that probably gave you um, and, and I think uh, if I'm right in saying as well your older brother Keith buying you a, a certain book for Christmas Rugby for Dummies did that kind of help lead you down that path? 
Yeah, yeah. He bought it for me the first year I started playing with the sevens because I had no idea. Like, because even sevens rugby is completely different to fifteens rugby in that, you know, there isn't flankers or you know, there's a blind wing instead of just having an open wing. Like there's so, so many differences to it. And it was it was bought as a as a joke, but I actually thoroughly read read that book that Christmas. But yeah, I never imagined I'd play rugby. I just I did. I saw the women win that Grand Slam on TV, and I think it was the first time that they ever got televised. Um, and I suppose I just realized that rugby was a thing for women and it's the visibility that we see that like me as a 23 year old didn't realize that women could play rugby. You know what I mean? It's, it's visibility. And I was living in a GA world where, you know, you kind of have blinkers on when you're stuck in one sport and I didn't really know there was much going on outside of it. Um, and I think TG Car or ITE, all of you guys highlighting women's sport is what's needed for young girls and boys growing up to realize that every sport is accessible to them um, and nothing is out of their reach. Um, like we're talking about sliding doors moments like that and and like for you Paul like I remember uh, reading about your introduction to rowing I think it was 2001 or so you're around seven when, you're, when your dad took yourself and your brother to the Skibbereen Rowing Club like do you, do you think back to moments like that uh, philosophically and think geez if that hadn't happened you know who knows what path your, your, your life would have gone down it's it's quite a it's quite a big moment that day that your dad took you down to Skib for the first time it is but he had to uh... The wheels well set in motion long before that. He had just running around the field after the cows and lifting bags of dairy ration and building our strength that way. <laughs> As he was really, really thinking ahead. Um, but you are right. I think um, you know, a lot of people, they'll be kind of congratulating us on, on our success and stuff that we've had in rowing. But I mean, really, you could almost put it entirely down to luck in that Joe Fye wasn't a... Born to my parents, and if your brother wasn't born, and if my dad wasn't into rowing, and if we didn't live near a rowing club, and then if the McCarthy's hadn't happened to live nearby, sure, I mean, none of this would, would have happened at all. Like, so um, I think you do have to kind of appreciate the, the luck that's thrown your way. But um, Joe, like that, if you're taking a, a well rounded um, approach to life, then you can uh, be in a good position to capitalize on any of the opportunities then that that are thrown your way and I suppose in, in a sense then that that's how you join you the same goes that you you make your own luck as as such um but it, no you're right it, it, a lot of it comes down to chance um like uh Vic, Vicky mentioned there Paul the 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 Irish women's match against Sweden last week and Ireland obviously massive underdogs heading into that game like that that thing about the Irish underdog, like we, we seem to be underdogs in every sphere, sporting sphere. When sphere, when you think back to even Jack Charlton, Italian ninety, um, it's probably only since Katie Taylor that we, we we suddenly see an Irish sports person on the world stage who is a favourite and expected to win. Uh, like heading into the Olympics last year, yourself and Finton were very much in that mould where uh, odds on with the bookies, everyone expected you to come away with gold. Obviously, you still had to go out and do it, but it's a funny one in that the Irish psyche maybe isn't used to that. So that, that must've been quite a, quite a funny feeling for you guys heading in being massive favorites. Oh, no, that's not, um, you know, something we, we would have thought about at all. And, uh, I think people would be saying, Oh, there must be massive pressure whenever, but I suppose looking back, like, I mean, that kind of takes the pressure off that like, if you're the favorite for the thing, then, uh, you know, it, it's like, um, things are going well for you, you know, you're looking good and you should be able to take confidence in that rather than being kind of scared and worried and, and have a bit of a target on your back. I don't think uh, 
there's much sense in, in thinking about it that way. Um, and I suppose, like, regardless of whether you're the favourite or not the favourite or the least favourite or the middle favourite or whatever, like, it, your job at the end of the day is, is to go out and do the best that you can do. So thinking about how things are looking beforehand it kind of doesn't uh, have a huge amount of impact on it. So I don't get too carried away with that type of stuff. 